Welcome to Working With Nature, where we take a look at natural health in its broadest sense. Ladies and gentlemen, the end comes at 2 minutes 30 seconds of round number 5. Terry O'Connor reaches the count of 10. The winner by count out and the new WBA lightweight champion of the world, the fighting bride of Manchester, Anthony Million Dollar Today I'm speaking to Anthony Million Dollar Crawler. He was a professional boxer between 2006 to 2019 and held the WBA lightweight title from 2015 to 2016. One of Manchester's most popular sons, he had an extraordinary setback to his career uh, a month before his world title fight back in December 2014 when he confronted burglars raiding his neighbour's house and we'll come on to that as we talk. Now obviously it's Anthony, is it Ant? Tony, Anthony. Honestly, what does your mum call you when you've been naughty? My mum was probably Anthony when I've been naughty. My mum was probably one of the only handful of people who call me Anthony. I think. Right. Really, everyone just calls me by my surname. But, Do they? Uh, yeah. Crawler. Yeah. Right. Everyone, but um, okay. you had people and stuff. Right. I mean, Got yeah. you. And uh, where were you born? Um, I was born in well, Crumsall, Crumsall right. Hospital. Yeah. Your family, you've got an Italian connection. Yes. So uh, tell me about that. Um, so it was my, my granddad's granddad. So we're going back a little bit, but wow. it was um, four brothers come over. Right. It's from um, a little village called Picanisco. Um, so it's from near the Lazio region. I um, really should have been over. And I am, I'm not saying that. I was actually planning to go over this year before COVID struck. But... Um, I'm going to, hopefully, when everything clears up, I'm going to get over just to see it. But, yeah, so it would be me. My granddad's granddad, four brothers come over and then they settled around Ancoats, um, Bengal Street. That was, I think back then it was very different to what it is now. Ancoats, it's, uh, it's a bit of a glamorous place to live now, isn't it? Yeah. But, or not, but, um, yeah, so obviously very tough for them. But, yeah, the four brothers come over with the ice cream carts and... That's um, that's what they did. Yes, the ice cream carts. Yeah, I think they done um, a bit of everything. I think there's a few of the brothers was a bit rum and maybe up to <laughs> no good and a few different kids by a few different women. But wow, yeah, that's um, the family history there. Right. But yeah, I really I need to get over to it. So you've never been? I, I've been over. To, I've never been over to uh, Picanisco. Yeah. It's uh, but and I've only I've only been to a few places in Italy and I. I think it's a lovely place, so really I should. Right. Next year, I get over, I think, go over with my older brother, try and see where it all started and um, get a bit of help. Good thing See if to there's do. anyone who we can be put in touch with, yeah. Brilliant. I, I did it with... My grandpa was from Cyprus. Really? Right. Um, and uh, a few years ago, I did a similar thing. I went back to his village, a little rural village. Yes. And I was stood in the middle of the village and a bloke walked past... Well, the Greeks just saunter yes. along and he said... In perfect English, I hadn't said a word. He just, "Can I help you?" I must yeah. have stood out like like a sore thumb, yeah. and I said, "You didn't have a Union Jack shorts." <laughs> no, I did not. But uh, he he asked, "Could he help us?" And I said, "Well, I'm looking for anyone who remembers my grandpa. He was called Costas Toffolos." Yeah. And he just went, "Ah, oh, 
the wrestler. No, because he was a Greco-Romano. Wow. Yes, wrestler. obviously he was a popular yeah. man. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so and so, I I highly recommend you do it. It's right, a really, yeah, really so nice thing to do. Yeah, so hopefully we can, um, yeah, can be pointing in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there'll be people who will help us out. Definitely over there. great. And coming back to uh, to you and and your life in Manchester, what's what's your earliest memory? Yeah, so earliest memory would be I was. So I was born, like I said, I was born in Crumso, mm. Manchester, and then we lived in Newton Heath in the family home till um, I was 10 years old. Right. And, um, like you say, moved over to New Moston and now sort of moved across since just to um, sort up the road, Chad and then Chadden Park. Got to stay somewhere near my mum, though. Do you know, I can't be too far from her. Right. But, um, yeah, no, earliest memory... It was just in primary school. I can right. remember uh, yeah. back to sort of being in nursery, really. Can you? The, yeah, the um, but Newton Heath, like I remember, um, I can remember a lot of things from it. My nana, she lived in the house behind us. All oh, right. Um, I think that was one of the main reasons we moved. To be honest, my nana passed away, and um, it was probably hard for my mum. Do you know, seeing that every single day, looking out the window, and her mum's no longer there. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I think. Growing up, I was always a kid who was mad into sports. What were you um, good at at school? I was, do you know what? I was, I was always a decent runner. I was a, a decent cross country runner. Right. Um, I wasn't a bad footballer, and uh, my dad was an ex professional boxer. Was he? He. So it was really. He took me to the gym because so he could. He'd retired, but he was. He could half stay fit, but there's no one to look after me as well. But I think it was just to get rid of some of the energy because I was full of energy. Yeah. And um, I'd pick up the basics, you know, being around him. And then it wasn't until, I know we'll get on to this, but then yeah. when I was sort of just before I was 11, I went back. I went back to the gym because I knew you had to be 11 to compete. But, All right. Yeah. I just, so, so you were influenced by your dad with that? Yeah. He was never, honestly, he was never one of those pushy fathers. It was yeah. actually my mum who took me back just before I was 11. Right. Um, we got on the bus, you know, down there and stuff, but... Yeah, sort of, my dad, definitely, you know, um, that's where I'd pick up a lot of the basics. I was watching tapes of old fighters and stuff. I was hooked very early on from that, but, and I think, so you when, know, when you say where I was from. Sorry, go on. No, where I was from, you sort of want to be able to look after yourself. I'm not, listen, I'm not one of those lads, I'll never pretend, oh, I had it hard and yeah. stuff like that. Listen, I reckon I probably had it harder than a lot of people who do say they had it hard, but yeah. I, I, um, my mum and dad worked very hard to make sure that we went without nothing. Um, so, so my dad's a postman, my mum works at a supermarket, so they're not the best paid jobs in the world, but they'd work hard, we didn't go out without anything. And I know if, when I think back now, it must have been a bit hard because you'd have the, at the time it was the two boys, my little brother came as we moved the house, about 10 years age, 10 years of age. Um, but we, we wasn't, we appreciated everything we had. Do you know, but I know like now they make sacrifices, take extra work on so they could take us away every year and stuff. Yeah. So it was, you know, that was the thing with the boxing like that. Mm. You, then. you wanted to be able to look after yourself as well. I don't mean by that so you'd be scrapping, but just stuff like that. It's, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, that, that was, I think, the main thing, just being, I wanted to be a bit different as well. So was that something early on then um, that you thought, I want to be a boxer? Yeah, well, sort of when I was like eight or nine, or my dad, um, he'd have a key to the gym, a spare key to the gym, and on a Sunday morning sometimes, he'd open up and 
few of my cousins have come down and beat all them up and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just, I was always at Stanley, but it wasn't until I went back. I knew you had to be 11 to compete. And um, I was playing football. And listen, I wasn't a bad footballer, but I was never going to have a career in football. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I might have been on the school team. And, yeah. But I was never going to have a career in football. I mean, not not many do. But um, with the boxing, I remember I thought, I'm nearly 11, I'll go back boxing. But my dad, um, he was working evenings as well. So my mum took me on the bus down to the gym, uh, the Fox Amateur Boxing Club. I knew straight away, like, and I was just not being sort of cocky. I mean, because I'd been before a little bit, but I picked yeah. up a lot of the basics and stuff. I was, I was a bit of a natural. Right. In, like, a few months, I was... I was fighting and stuff like that. Um, but I was hooked on it. Within, like, a session, I'd go, oh, man, I couldn't wait to go back. It was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I wanted to be there every night, and I was doing, like, your football, cross-country, boxing. I just I knew straight away that nah, boxing's what I love. Do you know, after a, after a session or two, do you know what I yeah. mean? Um, that, that was it. I was hooked straight away from the first time, really. Amazing. Even when the first time I sparred, I remember sparring with a kid, like, a few years older than me, and uh, come out red nose and that, but I loved it and I, and I thought, he, he wasn't even really old back on me too much, but I was just, I was buzzing, so I've got in there and landed a few shots and then I remember sparring him a few years later and getting me own back a good few times over, but that was, yeah, I was just, I was hooked on the boxing from a very early age. So that very quickly came, that enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, I think, as I always don't know whether it was, I want to say a bad loser. I wasn't a bad loser as in, you know, I had a horrible attitude or something, but I just wanted to win and sort of would always get the best. I'd try hard in everything, whether it be running, um, whatever it may be. Like, I remember, like, say, cross-country would do that at the schools. And I, I could run at club level, like, you know, I wasn't, um, and, like, for the region and stuff, get picked for them, but a lot of the times I couldn't go because they'd get in the way of other training or I couldn't get there, to be honest. Um, but I think... Even when you look throughout my career, I always say I wasn't the most skilled, the most talented person by any means um, fighter. But I, I don't, I believe it. Why I'm, why I'm sort of at peace with retirement and stuff. I got the very best out of what I had. Yeah. So you very quickly had a a sort of a will to win, really. Yeah. Where does that come yeah. from? Do you know what? I think, I think every young lad who's got a relationship with the father, you know, a good relationship. You want to impress your dad, don't you? And I want to think back now, I must have liked to pat on the back. My dad wasn't one of those dads, do you know what I mean? He wasn't, I'm not, he, um, like you say, he was good to us, but he was never one of them who'd praise you, but he'd, he'd let you know if you'd not tried hard or you'd, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I'd always try hard, I'd always, you know, you think, oh, what will impress him? And even just, I wanted to be in, like, school, I wanted to be the fastest, I wanted to be this, I wanted to do that, and I remember that's just... The young lad in me, do you know what I mean? And but I think that's a, a good thing to have. I think the little boy's, um, he's just turned seven, but I think he's got that in him, do you know, where he just he wants to win this and he wants to win that. And I don't think it's a bad thing. As long as, listen, you're not like a bad loser who's got a bad attitude yeah. or all like that. But yeah. I think you just want to, uh, there's nothing wrong with having that winning mentality, but where it come from, I think, was like that, just trying to impress my dad and my uncles. Do you know, I, yeah. like all my cousins, I wanted to yeah. be that one. Do you know what I mean? I wanted to be that one. Who, um, and in in school as well, do you know what I mean? It was just competition. I was just a competitive kid. So you thrive on competition yeah. and uh, and drive. It's mad just before I come here, we had um, 
Or, you know, the Versa Climber. Versa Climber's a horrible machine. Then, like, we was just doing it a minute, like, out of everyone. And, like, even to the point where now I think, wow, what do you thought my lungs was going to explode? And I just wanted to put in just, you know, just to hit a certain target and be right up there with the boys and stuff. And that was it. That competitive never really loses. You, you never lose it, do you, really? Not, not proper, anyway. Yeah. And ha- so if... Right, because let me tell you, I go to the gym, yeah. uh, though not at the moment, obviously, and I've always been Mr. Lazy. I love sport, yeah. I love exercise, yeah. I'll dilly dally. I was a Berbatov. I wasn't really a. Yes, I wasn't yeah, really yeah, a Roy. Yeah. I wasn't a Roy Keane. Kill, kill guy. Like and uh, strut around doing little flicks here and there. Yeah. I never really had that drive. Now, if there's people listening to this and think, where does that come from, or how do I get it? Are there any tips for that focus? I think. Do you know, there's there's some of that I think has got to be in you to think, nah, I want that. So I'm not that not no quitting attitude. But I think I always think, listen, your body, your body always. I've always got told it a long time ago that your body naturally always finds the easiest way out. But you've not got to let that. You've got to be strong enough upstairs right. to think, no, I'm not going to let that thought overpower me. Because as soon as it's natural, it's not when people go. The thought of quitting never crosses my mind. No, that's rubbish. That's what, unless you're a robot. I'm with you. That's rubbish because if we started sprinting to, to a standstill and it, you can't say after 10 seconds so far, all of a sudden when it kicks in, you think, why am I doing this? The thought of quitting always goes through your mind. Yeah. Always. But you've got to be strong enough to, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let these thoughts take over me. And that's, I think... I, I sort of had it in me where you'd, I couldn't live with that feeling. I'd, I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling. I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling, but I think there is something wrong with quitting. And if you're, I sort of, I just think, if, you want, if you're happy just to take over and this, that you're not doing anything wrong, but if you're wanting to compete at some, or if you're wanting to get the best out yourself, yeah. then you've got, to have that, you've got to have that attitude of where you've got to push through pain you know, you've got to push yourself sometimes to the limit. So you've got to get, you've, you've got to put yourself in uncomfortable positions. You've got to get comfortable feeling uncomfortable, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If nothing like comes, nothing worth having sort of comes easy, does it? Do you know yeah. what I mean? If everyone yeah, yeah. be walking around with eight packs, looking fantastic, if you could just go around, not really go to the gym, eat a McDonald's and stuff like that, you, you have to make sacrifices, I believe, in everything. And I think you've just got to get that into your head. Yeah. If, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Sound like I'm rallying a lot of people. We'd all be professional athletes if that was the case. Yeah, we'd all be professional athletes. So I just I think but I just think anything in life. You can apply that to anything you write. Yeah, I think anything in life, you gotta get the best out yourself. You've gotta work hard. You've gotta work hard and I like that idea that get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, that's that makes sense. I remember uh, when I trained as an osteopath, I'd been a teacher. Yeah. And then I was on the train down to London for my interview to see if I could get on the course to be an osteopath. Five years training to be an osteopath and I can remember being on the train being scared terrified thinking what the hell yeah. and came yeah. Yeah. go on no but you're saying that I'm scared then and I think no you should have a little bit of fear yeah. because if you didn't one it shows you're not really bothered. that bothered about it but yeah. two it was like you're worried thinking what if Every, everyone could possibly you know could everyone become an osteopath if if you wasn't worried about getting something wrong and stuff like that, that's yeah. what I think. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it's all right. It's all right. Like I think I was even a fight. If you can walk to the ring knowing I prepared the best I can, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But if you're walking to the ring putting doubt, I've trained, I've done this, mm. I've done that, then 
Yeah. You've got the other one who's got to live with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went down on the train scared. I came back up completely exhilarated. Yeah. And looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, how old were you? So, you, you, clearly, you became, with that sort of drive and determination, you became a, uh, good at boxing quickly. How did you know you were... You've got your determination. Yeah. You've got your desire. How did you know you were good at boxing well, there was like there was national championships, like I won a national title. Um, I'd, I'd boxed from the country, but I, and I remember thinking I was always like a little bit anorakic. I'd be reading the boxing news about I was seeing fighters who was on television, and I was thinking, and then I say what they done as an amateur, and I think, well, I've done that. So if they if they done that as an amateur, then I'm doing it now. Why can't I be on telly when I'm older? And it wasn't just for the fame, but I just love boxing. I just wanted to yeah. be winning titles and stuff like that. But I knew that, you know, obviously I was winning most of my fights, and um, I was always in with the good lads and at like you know squad training and stuff. I'd be I'd be sparring the better lads all the time and. So I thought, it was basically, I thought, well, I must be all right. I was yeah. never cocky or, yeah. you know, I thought I must be doing something right. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was sort of how I realised really. It sounds a bit shallow, but I was seeing professional fighters on television and I was thinking, well, I'm doing that as an yeah. amateur. I'm doing better than what they were doing. So if I keep improving, why can't I do that? I suppose it's relatively straightforward, isn't it, with something like boxing where you yeah. are, you're measuring yourself one on your progress in fights and, 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 yeah, against others as yeah, well. Yeah, comparing so, a little bit as well. Yeah. I mean, I know you say don't, you know, be looking over the garden fence, but at times uh, when you're young, you are, you are, you're comparing to people you look up to yeah. in a way. Yeah. So at some point you decided to become a professional. Um, can you remember the conversation you had and who did you have it with to yeah, do that? Yeah, I, I, um, so I won a national title. I won the senior ABAs and a lot of the time then you won the senior ABAs back then. You would go professional, you'd got an offer from a promoter or you'd stay on the England team or you'd, you'd go on the England team, the GB team. And to be honest, I, I never felt like... To be honest, I wanted to stay amateur a bit longer. Uh, I was only 18, 19. I was only 19 when wow. I'd won that. And I watched England a few times, but I was going to the GB camps and stuff. And I'll be honest, a lot of them I didn't really enjoy. But I'd go anyway. I'd loved, I loved I loved the training and that, but I didn't think there was improving me at the time. Um, but I wasn't getting a chance. I didn't feel. And with one of them, listen, we've had one of the greatest amateurs we've ever produced. Um, it was in my weight, but and I was just thinking, but I'm not really getting any opportunities. And I thought, what do I do? Just wait around, wait around, and then hope when he moves on, they'll give me an opportunity then. And then I was sort of going to camps and I thought, I'm half coming down and I'm half being used sort of a sparring partner, you know, for the good lads. And I was just thinking, not for me this. Like, do you know, I love boxing. I thought, I don't really want to turn professional yet, but I'll try and get a head start in that game. And and that was it, really. Yeah. I remember um, turning over. I actually turned over with Frank Warren. Right. At first, and I made my professional debut. On uh, the Joe Calzaga, Sakil Bikrunakad at the arena. So the arena was the the arena where I'd been going since I was a kid, watching some of the greats of British boxing. And yeah, that was so it was like the perfect right. sort of time to turn professional. Can you remember that first professional fight? I remember it really clear. Do you know what? There's something on a professional card, you have something called a floater. It's a bit, it's not what it sounds like, but 
And what I was, if so many fights went the distance, I was going to go on after the main event. If they went early, I was going to go on before. Yeah. Um, pff, thankful, uh, no, unlucky for me, a lot went the distance and I ended up going on one of the last fights of the night. I'd gone midnight in front of an half empty, well, mostly empty arena, just a few hundred tickets that I sold. But it was all experience and, yeah. do you know, it was, um, I was, it was a great sort of way of thinking. It didn't, I didn't get the big crowd, but do you know, to, to meet my debut, at the arena, you know, on something like Joe Calzaghe's undercard, of course, it was it was the dream sort of debut for me. Yeah. So I'm interested in um, when you have a fight that's arranged, yeah. sort of how, however long in the future, you know, your next fight is coming. What's, what's the ins and outs of the preparation for a fight? So it, how does it start? What do you do to begin with? It depends. Early on in your career, you, you're fighting four rounds, so you'll fight more often. But then when later on, when you're in championship fights, you'll get a bit more notice. Right. But I always had the attitude of sort of staying ready because, you know, I was always... That's how I really got opportunities to then help me push on. My trainer always installed me, listen, you've got to stay ready because then if the phone goes and an opportunity comes up, you're not, you're there, you're not far away. Right. Um, so that was it sort of early on and mid-career. But then obviously when it comes to title fights, you go right, you get an say A lot of the times you do a camp around 10 weeks. So you'd set out and the trainers, the coach, the SNC would set out, right? They'd record everything and they'd look back. One for like improvements, you were making improvements or what you was, what you was hitting, what you was lifting, what you was reps, whatever, at a certain time. So this but is fitness. Weighing. Yeah, but it was weighing both fitness and, and strength, but where your weight was at and stuff, because obviously you've got to make a championship weight. Yeah. Um, but then, and then when you step up, because listen, I fought 12 rounds um, for a good part of my latter career. In titles fight, it was 10 rounds, so 12 rounds. So, um, listen, it's not day one of camp. You don't come in and you don't fresh out 12 rounds for the next 10 weeks. You'll work your way up and... Six, eight, ten. So you know, because otherwise the body just burns out, doesn't it? And how many times a day do you uh, spar? Train. Oh, train. Spar. Well, listen, you wouldn't spar. You only ever spar once a day, but you wouldn't spar every week of camp. It might just be for four weeks of camp, a few times a week, three times a week. Yeah. Um, some fights we done more rounds than others, depending on if you're getting it right with the opponent stylistically, and that would be it. And be my coach's job to look at the opponent and think, right, we're going to work on this. And then I, I put trust in my coach to think, right, OK, I'm going to listen to him and put faith in his, his game plan. And I think that's always important, why you've got to trust your, trust your coach. So your coach is analysing the other yeah, fighters. What he does well, what yeah. he doesn't do too well, uh, what we think would work. Um and that'd be it, that'd be it. And then you're getting in the right sparring partners. Listen, if I'm fighting, you know, a tall, rangy boxer, there's no point in me sparring with someone who's short, stocky, comes forward. Yeah. It, it's got to be stylistic, like, it's got to be specific to the opponent. Yeah. And and that's it. It's. Um, and do you train uh, in that... Is it 10 to 12 weeks before a fight rougher that you start to intensify? Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll have, like, routine. But I think with me, I, I always... It might have been sometimes 
eight because I was always ticking over anyway. So right. I think any sportsman will tell you doing too much is worse than not doing enough, really, because you're flat and and that's it. That's what I think um, happens when you be training sort of two, three times a day, hard, you know, in well, them training long? camps. How long a session? It vary. I mean, like sometimes you might be in the gym two and a half hours. <clears throat> sometimes you might be doing a track session, which lasts an hour or last, last less. Um, there might be a yoga session or something like that. It was, it was different... Do you know, different sessions. You can't train three times a day and every session be a few hours longer at a real high intensity. You've got to be smart. You've got to listen to your body as well. Yeah. And it's your coach's job as well to think, to look at it and think, no, you could do the rest. The rest is so important. And I didn't learn that early in my career. It took a, right. a little bit to learn that where rest is so important. So that's pretty intense stuff. Is is professional sport the level like that? Um is that taking it to the point where you're almost abusing your body to get the most from yeah, it? Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd certainly, like, there's times where you're tired and you've... There's plenty of times, again, like what I was saying before about finding the easiest way out, there's plenty of times where I didn't want to go track or didn't want to get up early hours and go swimming or I didn't want to... Sometimes I thought, oh, go here and do a hot yoga session or kind of just chill out and rest up. And listen, the rest up might not have done me too much harm, but you've got to... Do you know that the camps a lot of the time listen you can have hard fights but what puts miles on the clock is the camps the intensity of the camps um because i know it's staying fit but i don't believe the body's made to be absolutely drilled like that for months at a time yeah is it seven days a week then uh, it'd be six six months so always trying to have a day of rest always have a try try and have right. a day of rest i think like you say rest is important um what would you do on a day of rest to be honest, it just it mostly involved going to watch Manchester United or something really? like that. But I'm not sure how much of a rest that is, but right. I never really sort of switched off. But even on a day of rest, to be honest, I was always even watching boxing or something. So I think it's important to switch off, whereas I probably didn't switch off enough. Right. But yeah, like a day of rest, I was spending it with a family or friends or whatever it may be. And were you able to switch off in those periods? To a certain extent. To a certain extent, I could, like, you know, I'd, I'd enjoy being with my family or my friends or, you know, both together or watching the match. I could I could do that, but always in the back of my mind and you was thinking, always thinking, oh, what, I'll eat that? Or if you did eat something and you're thinking, oh, my weight be all right, I'm not going to up. And you get, you get paranoid, thing like that. Yeah. You see them boxers, like, they just become so paranoid with the weight and stuff like that. And it is, it's, it's annoying. A lot of boxers will say that's the hardest part yeah. of... Um, of being a fighter because when you're tired it's different you can't just oh, constantly keep putting fuel in because you've got to make a certain weight so there is times when you feel like you're running on empty yeah. do you know what I mean what do you eat when, you, when you're training when what's I'm the sort of nutrition it was um, I was training I always sort of certainly for the last few years my um, uncle sort of would do my meal prep and stuff like that it was very switched on but it, it just for me I think eating clean Eating clean by that, I mean, you know, staying away from too sauce, too much sauces or anything like that. But if you did, it was, you know, you've got to check the sugar, the salt content and stuff like that. But, you know, I'd, I don't, I've never one of them move things, oh, cut my carbs out completely, but you you might limit your carbohydrates. You know, a fighter needs carbohydrates, in my, um, my opinion. Yeah. And just, it's just sort of trying to eat clean and there'd be certain supplements, you know, that you'd have and... I was one of them, I'd use certain herbs and stuff like that, a lot of it natural, I, I think. I was never one of them who 
a supplement sort of it wasn't a replacement it was sort of an addition to things and yeah i always think you put the right fuel in you in any sport than it in life really that uh, that can make a huge difference yeah so what's your favorite food then my favorite food is an italian i gotta tell you good pasta dish how could it not um, be i'm a sucky for a good uh, ravioli right i really am but um yeah, I just also like I'm, I'm a Thai. I like um, I like a good Thai. It's a good Thai near us as well. But really, I'm like, and that's like I said, I'd, I'd always look forward to after like after weighed in every night, every night the night before the weigh in. But it was in Manchester. I'd always have like the same thing. It wasn't superstition, but it feels. I think certain foods make you feel good, and this was like, I'd have like a sea bass, but I'd have it, you know, baked in the sea salt and stuff and. Mm. We'll have it then with, you know, a little bit of pasta dish, bit of greens, bit of spinach and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think I think growing up, I always go mad at my mum for it. Go, Why don't you make me eat my vegetables? But, um, like, eating's so important. Do you know, eating right yeah. is so important for yeah. any athlete. Yeah. And I think early, getting into the routine at an early age helps growth, stuff mm. like that. So, yeah, yeah, of course. And you mentioned there superstition. Yeah. A lot of sportsmen and women are very superstitious. Have yeah. you got any superstitions? No, it's, it's mad. It sounds um, sound boy, but I've not not got any superstitions. No, whatsoever. didn't have to put because the left glove on before the right nah, glove. Nah, or... And I know some of you have to do it, and but no, I um, for me it was you prepare the best you possibly can, and then I can walk to the ring thinking right. I've I've ticked all the boxes. So what will be or be now? Like, I've, if I carry out the plan, then I believe that I'll, I'll come out victorious. It was never a case of walking to the ring thinking, oh, I've not done this or not like that. And just the only thing I've done before every fight, it's not me trying to sound like a good guy, I'd always say a quiet prayer. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't to ask for, you know, victory or anything like that. I just asked that both of us come out safe and that's it. Yeah. That was it. That was the only, I don't think that's a superstition, but that's so much what I always yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, when, you, when you've when you no fight on the horizon, but you're a professional boxer, what do you do? Mate, that's, that's for me. I ticked over. I ticked over. Listen, I'd relax the diet a bit, but I'd still tick over. Um, and that's what now, so we've going on too much about, like, about it. Like, now you see a lot of young fighters and they're, they're doing a four-round fight and they'll be fighting a journeyman and they're going on about a camp. And it's like, it's not being disrespectful to the journeyman. They're there sort of do a job and sometimes they get results. But what do you mean a camp? Like, they do four rounds there. They've, they've won 40, 30, you know, they've won every round comfortable. And then they'll have a weekend out on the drink with the mates. You don't mind one one night out or whatever, but then they'll have another weekend out and then you'll see them putting statuses on social media. Oh, last time out, then I'm getting back in, uh, then back in camp. And you think... You fought for 12 minutes. Do you know what I mean? You fought for 12 minutes. You've, you're having a few nights out. I don't mind it's in the odd night out or something, but you've made a few weekends of it. And now you're talking about camp. You should be ready to go all the time at that level. Do you know, at that level? You should be ready to go all the time. And even, I just think, even as you go up there's a lifestyle that you've, you've got to live in. I said, I'm not I'm like big booze or all like that, like, but after a fight, not necessarily straight after it, but... Maybe the day after or the weekend after I'd, I'd enjoy a drink with my mates and stuff like that. Um, it might happen once or twice, then that'll be it. But it was different at that level. You, you was fighting a few times a year. But early on, 
Like, I don't, you know, you've got to, you dedicate yourself to a yeah. sport and your profession. I mean, you always do, but don't start talking about camps when you, you know, when you're fighting at that level, working your way up. You should always be ready. And you were. Yes, yeah, I think I was. I think I was. I was, um, and that's just the importance. And I think then you're in the gym. Because I think in between fights, when there's no pressure on you, you're not working to us, you're seeing improvement, you can work on new things. Whereas if you just come in the gym, and you're a few stone over your fighting weight. It just becomes about losing weight, and you can't practice too much. Yeah. Uh, I think what happened me. I think Rick. I love Ricky Hatton. Like any, not just any Manchester. I mean, most British young boxers looked up to Ricky Hatton. But I think what happened. Rick, Ricky was a one-off. Ricky used to put on a few he stone. Did. Yeah. And it made other fighters believe it's okay to you do so. Ricky Hatton can do it. So can I. And it was like. No, Ricky Atten's a one-off. Ricky Ricky Atten's a very unique fighter. You're not like that. Oh, you're not as good as him. Do you know what I mean? Stop it. Yeah. It's um, and that's what I think happened a little bit. You know, over time I think hopefully now people are getting back into the thing of sort of staying ready a little More bit. More focused. Yeah. Mm. And um, let let's. Oh, actually, I wanted to ask you about after you've had a fight. Yeah. Come out of the ring. Yeah. Are you, are you able to sleep that night? Can no, you actually? Nah, never, never. The adrenaline's just running. There's so many nights I'd, I'd um, come in after a fight and I'd just be set up. I'd just be set up like, right? Would like, you? Whereas even when it was a hard fight, when it was a hard fight, I'd always end up a little bit run down after a fight because obviously the camp and then if you have the hard camp and then you have the hard fight and you don't have any sleep for over 24 hours and stuff, you end up, obviously it's not great on the body, but I think I just couldn't, so you can't what, switch off whether it be the adrenaline sort of coming down. Or, listen, you might get an hour or two. Um, so would you come down with a cold or something like that? Sometimes, yeah. A lot of the times, yeah, I'd come down just a little bit. And I think the changing diet as well. Right. Because you would have been eating well and all of a sudden you're eating absolutely everything in sight. I used to get something like I get bad heartburn, do you know, like, and that was that was through the diet sort of for a bit. And then I remembered after I thought, no, I can't have this because... It's obviously sort of my body saying, no, listen, chill out a little bit. But for Absolutely. a good few fights on the run, I was like, wow, the heartburn was horrendous. Really? And I think that was to do with, obviously, the diet and stuff the like that. The processed carbs. Yes, of course. Yeah, just... You see, I see a lot of patients in my practice who are on all kinds of stuff for heartburn from yeah. their doctors. Yeah. And I try and point out that the, the, the number one thing they need to do is it's your body saying you're putting something in I'm not happy with. Definitely. So you instinctively knew that? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I think I'm a big believer in most things like, you know, listening to your body. Yeah. Um, I just think it's common sense. Yeah. It's common sense. I don't think, I'm not saying I was the brightest kid in school. I was just all right. But I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to work out, does yeah. it? You know, if your body, it's your body's telling you something, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. When you're getting those bad pains, mm. it's, um, it's like, no, nah, stop doing it. Yeah, true enough. Now let's move on so to this uh, sort of kind of career defining incident that yeah. happened with the burglars which I'm I know you've told this story a few times but there are yeah. probably people listening to this who don't know about it so just yeah. explain if you can if you're yeah. up for it the, what happened that night it was about the context was yeah. about four, you, four weeks four on. weeks out from a first world title fight right and um we was and we were on about before about you know not 
doing too much in camp anyway and I was on the way home from the gym and he phoned me, um, my coach phoned me, Joe, and he says, listen, you're absolutely flying in the gym. I don't want to overcook you. I want you to have it off. I want you to have tonight off. I don't want you to just go home, spend some time with the family and we'll fire up again tomorrow. I don't want you on the track tonight. I want you to rest. Um, so I was like, all right, okay. And I had my, my running stuff with me because I had to nip somewhere after the gym and I was going to go straight to the track. So I went home, um, as I pulled up home, next door neighbour's alarm was going off and pulled up in the car and straight away when your alarm, when there's an alarm's going off, you just think, when's that going to go? And it's still going. Yeah. So I know it's next door wasn't in. So I phoned him, I phoned him at the time, I've gone, oh, Craig, I said, um, your alarm's going off here, mate. I said, um, I don't think anyone's in, but I'm just, you know, giving the other stuff. He said, I'll phone the missus now. He said, she's gone, Jim. Um... So I, I remember joking, I went, oh, just check, I'll check on the back, no one's broke in, like I said, no one's, no one's in your house, sort of. Anyway, um, went in, put my gym back in, and I thought, oh, it's still going off, and um, I went in the back, and sort of the torch on my phone, I was looking, because it was dark nights, it was in December, um, and I was looking in, I was looking in, and I was like, is that a, what is that, is that a glass broke? And the next thing, someone pops the red out the patio doors. Wow. Um, so straight away I'm like, you know, you, I'm like, well, you know, get out and other things and it. So he's running. So what I've done, I've ran through the house, my house, then come round. I thought, well, I'll see him here because the last guy's way and I can see him at the end of the street. And there's two of them. There's two of them. So obviously I've took, I've took Chase. Um, and at the time they was getting, they were saving up for a, a wedding and all that. So I didn't know what they had. Oh, yeah. Listen, if someone's in your neighbour's house, yeah. they shouldn't be in there. Yeah. So I took chase, and so in the end, I ended up doing a bit of sprints. Well, I'd got the night off, but I was like, <laughs> I'm talking to them. Well, listen, whatever you've got now, I want it back. Um, as I'm talking to them, they're running and running, and I'm, I'm like, probably thinking I'm a lunatic. I'm going, listen, I'm catching you. You're not going to get away from me, so you might as well stop and catch it anyway. They thought I'm not getting away from this lunatic. They ran down the side of a garden. Um, anyway, I've cornered them at both in, because I've not touched them. And, but there's two of them there. I always say, listen, I, I can't exactly walk back with one under each arm. So yeah. I just thought, let you go. Yeah. And um, you're coming with me and you're snitching on your mate and whatever, whatever thing that's gone missing, I'm making sure that it comes back. And then, so he started off there. So he started climbing the fence. I'd not, so he was just there, just looking at, looking at him there. And he's, he's climbed the fence and unlucky for me, concrete slab just happens to be loose. Next thing, concrete slab come down on my head. Um, I've gone down straight away. I'm near and I just thought, I wasn't knocked out. I'm dead proud that I wasn't knocked out. But <laughs> I knew straight away that I thought, I've been hit hard, a bit hard a lot of times. But I know that's not a punch, and straight away in my head, I didn't find out till the day after what it was. But I knew it was a slab or a brick or did something. Did it fall off, or did he yeah, clout so you with it? it? He, so on the blind side of me, he um, he threw it down on my head, um, and then and I've been like, wow, what the? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like so I've gone down straight away, and I've gone, wow, me me um, me handcuffed that I tried. I saw him, then he was climbing the fence. I thought, I was going to get away. I went to jump up. I couldn't put any weight on my foot. And I'd, I've gone, it was always halfway over, so we managed to get away. Um, I was raging, but then I couldn't put any kind of weight on my foot. And yeah. I'm like, wow, anyway. Come stumbling up, I'm fuming, thinking, oh, they've got away. And 
I'm, I'm sort of hobbling back to the drive. Um, my partner and the next door neighbour, they're walking up the street, like, what's going on, what's going on? I could feel my, my head's cut wide open. Um, so I'm like, I'm saying, I'm saying they've, they've put some over my head, I know they have, but anyway, I've got in, we've got into the house and bleeding pretty bad. And my mate, one of my best mates, have come round to pick tickets up for the fight. Right. And he's like, whoa, what's, you know, what's going on? Mm. And um, I'm telling him and anyway, sort of word gets around pretty quick. A few people outside and stuff like that. And um, next door neighbour's mum was a nurse, and she's come in and said, You need to get to hospital. Um, and I'm just like, I'll be all right. And she's trying to stop the bleeding. And she went, Really? So the funny the ambulance was taken. A bit of my uncle lived just up the road, and he's walked in. And, and she went, You really need to get to the hospital. And uh, my mate, so I'm like, Yeah, John, there's your tickets. Um, and he went, mate, I don't think you're going to be fighting. He, he got, I went, bloody hell, mate, don't talk daft. I said, I've got this cut here. I said, the head guard covers that. I said, can you can't stand up. I went, I know, but it'll be all right. Um, I won't run for a, for, for a week or two. Well, it's not ideal, but... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but I knew it now. When I look back now, I knew everyone in the room because there was quite a lot of people in the house then, so what happened? And... Um, I knew no one had the art to go, listen, you're not fighting, but probably just didn't have the art to tell me, sorry. And uh, anyway, he'd gone to hospital. My uncle took me to the hospital because the ambulance couldn't get there fast enough. Right. Second too long. He ran me to the hospital and they got me in straight away. You could see me head. And um, they rec you know, a few people recognised me sort of. And then, was, what's going on? What's going on? And started telling him anyway. So one thing's I'd turn over and I think been like a brain scan this and that and I'm thinking, wow, what's up? I've only got just need to stitch my head up, I'm going home. Like that's what I'm thinking. Um anyway, the doctor or a specialist, whatever he comes into me, this is after I've been in there a bit. And he says, Hi, he says, You're the boxer, aren't you? And I says, I said, Yeah, I am, mate. He said, you had a fight coming up, didn't you? And I said, Yeah, I said. <laughs> I said, yeah, I said, I'm fighting in four weeks. I said, you know, for the first world title. Um, I said, this is a nightmare. This, this, this is hardly ideal, is it? And he goes, listen, that won't be happening. And I, I remember just going numb at the time. I said this before, what? Just went numb and he goes, listen, you've, you've got a fractured skull and you, your ankle's broken a few places. And I couldn't really get any words out. I was like, right. Um, anyway, he went... Went back and um, my partner, she was there, and my uncle, who took me to the hospital, was there. And he, he sort of went, Aunt, right, I'll, I'll leave you with Fran and I'll shoot off. He said, I'll give you a shout in a bit. Probably because he probably knew I was probably going to cry my eyes out, do you know what I mean? I didn't wow. want to, I was heartbroken. Yeah. I was heartbroken because I thought, wow, I've not long moved into an house with my little boy was only young and he was in the house and I'm coming in and I'm trying to joke with him, I'm covered in blood because I just thought, I don't want him seeing his dad. Head cut wide open. He didn't really understand it. He was young enough, thankfully. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was it. That was it. It was just like they put me on a ward, and then they come over to me and um, we're gonna move you into a private room. And I was just trying to be a nice guy, going, um, "No, it's cool. Listen, I'm fine here on this." And then, no, we need to put you in a private room. Um, people from the press are trying to, you know, in the stuff like. So they put me in a private room, and I'm. Next thing, anyway, I'm the pain, then I'm in pain because it's sort of the adrenaline's yeah. wearing off and obviously I'm upset and I'm like, wow, what's happened? And I couldn't realise they've 
give me a load of, I, I hate painkillers mm. and stuff like that. It's something I'm always super paranoid about, but they've, they've had to give me something. And I'm like, I'm drowsy, but I'm, I can't really sleep. And then next thing, I'm seeing it on telly. And I'm sort of half waking up, I'm seeing it on telly. And I'm going, what? What's going on? Anyway, so I must, I must have dozed off at some point for a few hours. Ago. I was probably, like, just knocked out on something. Yeah. And I remember the telly just being in front of me. I opened my eyes, and I'm on, like, the BBC. And then I thought, what the fuck's going on? Like, like you know, how strong are these painkillers in a way? Yeah. And then I turned the telly up. Next thing, GMTV's on, and I'm on the news there, and I'm going... Well, the, so anyway, I put Sky Sports news on. I'm on there all, and it was just surreal, like, thinking all at the same time. Amazing. And I'm just, like, I'm laying in hospital bed, like, next thing someone comes in and we're going to get you into surgery, and and that was it. So it was just a, it was a mad, mad situation. And I remember since, like, uh, Miss Saktar, the, the the nurse, the, um, the doctor, um, who... You operated on me. She said, like, at sports time, she was very surreal. She went, as I'm operating on you, it's on the radio, what's happened? She went, it was, I've never had that before. It was a very sort of surreal situation. And, yeah, that was that was it. But obviously the the hurt for me was, like, you know, I've, I've got a little boy, I've got bills to pay, and all I've ever done is box. And, you know, it's, it's a bit of pride, isn't it, that you're thinking, I don't want to have to go back to mum and dad's and... So this is a It was threat. a horrible, horrible time. And yeah. I'm, at the same time, I'm thinking, fractured skulls are the best injury. I've got to... Am I going to be able to box not again? Not for a boxer, it's not. Um, yeah. I'm, um, am I going to be able to box again? But then I knew... I knew in the end I thought, positive thinking's a huge part in recovery. I'm a big believer in that. You know, you, you're negative. You, you feel sorry for yourself too much. It's not going to help things, so I just constantly thought setting me little self, little tests and little challenges, and I thought some people might say, "Oh, you're daft," but I remember like the painkillers and like the medication. It was making me. It was making. I'm not the biggest guy anyway, but I was going dead skinny and I was dead drowsy all the time. I had no appetite, or I thought I need to get myself off these, and yeah. it's just. And I didn't. Don't wrong. I think sometimes probably should have took some things, you know, to help with the pain, but. I just thought, I have to, and then I was just setting myself up. I didn't want to rush things, but I thought, get myself right, get myself fit, and, you know, as soon as I can, and then, obviously, my, my leg was in plaster for a good while. Yeah. Um, and in the end, yeah, it was... I think that helped a lot. I think that helped a lot, because you then, I think, you start becoming reliant on those pain relief and stuff like that, and yeah. I think... Yeah, Serious Every problem. time, yeah, you tell me a lot more, but people... People just rely on them, don't they? Like you were talking here now, mm -hmm. the cause of things. Yeah. Do you know? So try and do you know prevent prevent these things happening rather than just thinking, oh, I'll pick up a tablet or throw that. I mean, do you know what I mean? And numb things. It's um, and that was it. So I was just setting myself little challenges, and I thought, well, if I get a second chance, yeah, as a boxer, which I almost seen it, I'll make sure. I was always dedicated. I was always yeah. dedicated, but I'll. I try and make sure I do absolutely everything right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, interestingly, you mentioned about the, the painkillers and the drugs yeah. and that. In America, the stats show, it's I think it's 128 people a day, yeah. on average, die from prescribed opiate yeah. painkillers. It's mad. People, people just do it. You know, they have, they have the slight bit of an headache. I see it. Oh, I have paracetamol. 
And I'm like, probably annoying, like, to some friend, why are you having that? Yeah. You might be dehydrated, you might be, th there's different causes, you know, but straight away you've just thought, no, I'm having a paracetamol quick, and I, I hate fix. it. Yeah, the quick fix. Mm. Um, and that's sort with me, and I think with it, I was trying to look at, like, certain, like, herbs that strengthen the bones and stuff like that, and... And that was it, and I know, like... Where were you getting that knowledge from, to use so that So that stuff? was from a friend, that. That was from a friend. And then, you, I know, like, listen, I don't know how reliable Google is out of everything, but there were certain things, and then... I still have it now, I don't... You'd be able to tell them about CMOS, Moringa, and stuff like that. I really, you know, think I had Boab and stuff like that, and I just think people, if they, you know, educate themselves... Yeah. The more... I mean, listen, I'm not... Pretend I have a squeaky clean that whatsoever. There's there's a pie shop up the road. If it's open on the way back, I might get one now. Yeah, but they're good I, pies. Yeah, they're looking. <laughs> but no, but do you know what I mean? I just think there's so many there's so many things, and I just think people take the easy way out a lot of the time. Yeah. Just just with that, and I think you could. There's so many more natural, better ways to deal with things. Yeah. Um, listen, we've got it. Can't now. argue with that. Yeah. You're preaching to the converted. I think, yeah. And um, so anyway, your recovery begins with, it, it would appear that that will to win that you've had since you were a child has driven you through your recovery. And yeah. then you end up in 2015, so not that long yeah. after a serious injury, yeah. you have a tilt at the world title against yeah. Perez. Yeah, it was like um, six, seven months. Yeah, incredible. And... Um, I've watched that fight. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, first of all, before we brief, we touch upon that, uh, we've mentioned sleeping after a fight. Did you sleep the night before that one? I did. Do you know what's mad? The night before a fight, I always got a decent night's sleep because you've made weight, you've carved up, probably at a bit too much, and you're just not always, like, yeah. bit of a food coma, probably overdone mm -hmm. it. Um, but, yeah, I'd sleep the night before, but there was excitement, but... It was mad, there was, I didn't feel that much pressure because yeah, there was nerves, there was nerves, but I was thankful to be boxing again. And yeah. obviously after the first fight, what we get on which they give a draw, it was like, it was a bad, bad, I'm not one of them who cries, but I've not met anyone or heard anyone to this day say I didn't win that fight, never mind. Yeah. Even people have gone, oh, you know, it was close, it wasn't a robbery, but I thought he still done enough. Yeah. And the only two judges thought it was a draw, one had it for me, and then, the disappointment, don't get me wrong, I was, like, after I was disappointed, but I was just thankful to be boxing again. And yeah. I was living out a dream. I was fighting for a world title in the arena that I grew up, yeah. you know, going to watch these big nights, some of the greats of British boxing. So everyone was, like, around people was upset and that. And I was like, just listen, don't be upset. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm happy. I'm, like, I'm happy to be sort of boxing again yeah. and we'll come back stronger. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, thankfully, sort of, that's, that's what I did. And um, I didn't want to be. I went from being all this lad from Manchester, so I'd, I'd have, like, random people stopping me, like, it's... It's my... One of my mates, one of my good mates said it, and a few of us said it, they went, could be the best thing that's ever happened to you, getting over the head of a slab. He said, because your popularity's gone through the roof, and I'm not stupid. Did I mean, they'd always done well with the tickets. Yeah. But obviously, that gave me a bit of a story, but... I went from being like known as that fighter who got it over the head of a concrete slab to then that fighter who was robbed of a world title. And I remember thinking, I can't have this like tag. I've got to make sure I'm going to get a second chance in the rematch. 
I've got to put it right. Yeah. That's what I, that I put it right, and then I'll be remembered as a world champion. And um, thankfully, that's what I did. Yeah. And um, before the fight, well, how many people were there watching? How many people were there in the arena? Do you know what? I'm not sure exactly how many was in there, but I know it was... A, it gets a lot of people in that yeah, arena. Yeah, it does, and it was, it was a great atmosphere. When, when you're um, in your dressing room beforehand, or is it a dressing room? Yep, yep, yep. Dressing room, dressing room. Um, can you hear the crowd outside? No, not in the arena you can't. It blocks out a lot. Does it? It blocks out an awful lot, but you get like, I'd get people coming in and they go, atmosphere's building out there and stuff. And it's bad as you walk into the ring, you're hearing more and more and yeah. then, yeah. It's- so when you're in there prepping, what's happening? What are you, what are you doing you're in going your dressing through, room? What you're doing, you're going through drills, you're going through, you know, on the pads, shots that you're looking to throw. You'd be in, sometimes you might be watching things going, this is what it does well. And you're talking through things. I mean, I don't, there's different fighters that are different. Yeah. Have different, you know, ways of controlling. Like for me, I always said it was my, if, if I could have just got my hands wrapped in the hotel room and just walked, got to the venue, stuck my gear on fight, I was happy to do that. I didn't like getting there too early. Some fights, they want to be there a few hours before. Right. I wanted to leave it because I just think you're just sat in the changing room, spewing up. I can't go out, watch fights because obviously you see yeah. everyone and stuff. And that's, that's how it was. I mean, for that fight, I always remember it. Eddie Earn said to me after it, he said, honestly, he said, before the fight, I was half fuming because I thought, you're too laid back. You're going to let this opportunity pass you by. But it was mad. I'm not starting to say, oh, it was fate or this and that. Or, but I just thought there was no way I was leaving that ring without a world title. And that's what I thought. And I thought I would give it absolutely everything. I'm prepared to do absolutely everything yeah. um, to get this world title. And that's what it was. It was probably the least nervous right. I've ever been in my yeah. career. Yeah. Even though it was the the biggest fight of my career, yeah. it was it was strange really, because I knew I was talking about this before. One of the lads, I ticked every box in training. Everything that was asked me, I'd done, and I felt great. And I just thought this is the best version of me. So if if I don't do it, it's because I've lost to the better man. So yeah. Yeah. and that's it. And I can you know you can I can handle defeat, but yeah. I can't handle not trying. Like yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And when you're in the dressing room waiting, is there a, a like, does a light switch on? Does someone come in and yeah, say, time to, time to go? Yeah, I, your man from the TV will come in and he'll give you the heads up, like he'll keep you in the heads up. Um, 10 minutes, five minutes, right. and then you know you're going, lad, 60 seconds, and you know when that is, you're like, right, it's game, it's wow. out of game time, it's time to go to work. Yeah. Yeah. So you then head out. Can you remember when the doors open into the arena? What, where are you looking? What are you seeing? I try and take it in me. I try and take it in because I always say, now that I've retired, but that, and this isn't to sound like a smart ass or anything like that, but unless you've done that walk, it's, it's hard to describe that feeling. Yeah. But there's thousands of people cheering your name and yeah. you, you walk out and I try and take it in. I'd always try and take it. I'd love it. It's my favourite part of fight, being a boxer, you know, taking that, you know, the atmosphere in, you know, people shouting, that's what you work hard for, that's yeah. what you, you know, work hard yeah. for. I mean, listen, there's the thing of, oh, what I deliver for these people, they've paid the hard-earned money to come and support me. But, yeah, I'd, um, I'd try and soak it all up, I'd look around and think, wow, right. yeah, that's what I'd always try and do. Take it in. Yeah. Because those moments don't come that often, really, do they? Not at all. And very few yeah. of us mere mortals get to experience yeah. them. So it's just, and I always say it to me, with boxing, I think 
that for me, that is the high, the highest of highs, like where I always say no drink or drug will give me that feeling ever again in my yeah. life. And yeah. I'll miss it. And I do that. I yeah. miss that. There's a lot of things like I'm happy with how my career it, uh, ended up and what I got from boxing. and But I know I won't get that feeling again of walking. How And I think that's what a lot of fighters struggle with, yeah. to letting that go. It's um, But now I just have to think I'm doing a lot of coaching. Hopefully one day I'll guide someone to have a similar yeah. night and I'll yeah, be a yeah. part of it. It'll be their night and I'll be a part of it. Yeah. But... Um, that's it. That's yeah. it, really. That that feeling, though, it's like a high. You can only imagine, like, you just think, wow, and you watch it back on telly and you think, wow, at this point, I was feeling just, how's this happened to me? Do you know what I mean? That's how um, you feel. It's interesting, that, because I was, I was listening to a photographer talking about, he was taking photographs of Freddie Mercury. Yeah. And Freddie Mercury said to him, S- uh, stop taking pictures of me. He said, because everybody knows what I look like. He says, yeah. turn it round and take pictures of the crowd because that's what I can see and it's yeah. mind-blowing. Yeah, I can imagine it. That's what I mean. I'm seeing That's Do you know what? That's a great thing. Mm. I am... Um, I'm a Freddie Mercury fan. I was going to do him over him, but I'm going to look a bit too much <laughs> like him. It's my fancy dressing. Get up, though, if it ever happens. And, um, yeah, he's... And I get that, because I'd look out, and there's things I can remember. Yeah. Like, um, there's things that you'll look back on, and you might have heard me say this. I always remember before one of my world title fights. So you're waiting to go out, and you, you're seeing faces sometimes familiar, and someone's... Someone's shouting me and he's constantly shouting me, constantly. But, you know, to the point where I'm thinking, can't sort of switch on here. Yeah. Do you know, so you just sort of go like that and he's shouting me and shouting me and I've said, you know, like that. And then you're waiting and he goes, this is as I'm waiting to go out before I get introduced. Yeah. And um, he shouts me and I look up and I've got, and in the end, I've like answered him, he goes, do it for Eric. And I'm like, fucking I'm a big United fan, but do it for Eric Cantona. Yeah. I'm like, oh, he just stayed with me forever. Wow. And it's just a funny, do you know what I mean? But it was like, he meant it. Like, do it for Eric. You know, like, because I'd have a lot of United fans who come watch that yeah, yeah. from all over. Yeah. It was like, he meant every bit of it. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know whether it was Eric's birthday or, I can't think now, but there's a reason I was on an anniversary or something. Yeah. And I was just thinking, brilliant. Do you know what the passion that he meant to him and Amazing. stuff? And, it's like, even like when I look back, when I see my mates, what it means to them jumping about and yeah, stuff. And yeah. yeah, of course. And when I look back, that makes me proud, like really proud. Yeah. You know, seeing my dad ringside, seeing my family ringside, you know, how they react. That's, of course, that, that's like, yeah. that's a great feeling, that looking out and thinking, wow, yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Quite something. Quite something. And going to the fight, right, I've watched that fight and the ending of the fight, catches you quite unexpectedly certainly as a, as a an observer of it yeah. because you you do that hit to his sort of side to his ribs yeah. or whatever and he's it's almost like happens in the blink of an yeah. eye and he's gone did you know that you I, had i had a good um feeling like i knew i landed a good shot and the way he went down I knew that, and it was mad because those 10 seconds, and you watch it back, they felt like 10 minutes because it was like five, six. So I'm looking at him and thinking, he's not going to get up here, but yeah. then seven, eight. And then I'm thinking, well, he's got to start making a movement immediately or he's not going to make 10. And yeah. he was like, 
I was like nine and then ten. I remember like you see my face after it and I sort of I let out a scream. Yeah. And it looked like it looked like I was crying. It was like my little boy goes, Dad, why was you crying? But I wasn't crying, but it was like a a scream it looked it was just sort of happiness. There's so many emotions in that. There was like yeah. there was joy, there was relief, there was relief, there was that thing off my back of do you know what? I've I've become a world champion and I've always wanted that for myself and all the sacrifices people have made for me, I feel like I paid them back now and yeah. do you know and that yeah, that was there a lot of emotions a million emotions mixed into one when you see if you could see that face, what you're feeling there, I could say, can't exactly can't see one feeling. There's about I don't know how many feelings and emotions into that. Yeah. Into that. But you know, sacrifices that you've made from being a child. Yeah. You missed out on things with your mates. I wanted to ask you that. What kind of yeah. things do you sacrifice to get to where just, you Just I think I think, you know, growing up you just like listen, there's there's little things that you do good avoiding like where I'm from. You know, I've I've had the same set of mates for twenty odd years since I was a kid. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes they're getting a bit of trouble. Would have I got into trouble if I wasn't boxing? Yeah, of course I would, just like them. And I think the way things are, you know, going now, it's got a lot worse. I'm a lot thankful. When I think now, I think, bloody hell, it makes me a bit daft. We wasn't bad kids, or most of us wasn't. But, you you know, you get up to mischief, but which can lead to other things, though, then later in life. I was only saying it before, wasn't I? Whereas I'm a lot thankful it was like that now than what it's like yeah. then what it's like now. A lad yeah. five minutes from where I used to hang around, he got stabbed to death last night, a 16-year-old lad. Yeah. And you just think, I think what sport done it, it gave me those sacrifices, what felt like sacrifice at the time. They kept me out of trouble. Yeah. I wasn't a bad kid or anything yeah, like yeah. that because, um, you know, I was fortunate for where my mum and dad wouldn't have allowed me to be a bad kid. Um, but not everyone has that no. kind of... Do you know that that discipline that that family set up that unit behind them? They don't do they? No. But yeah, sacrifices like that, and even sort of later on in life, like you you miss out on a lot of family things. You miss out on good times with your friends, but they're the sacrifices you have to make. That's what I believe, and you know it's not nice missing things with family and friends, but well, that's part of the job. That's yeah. part of the job, and the people will say, ah. Oh, I'd love to be a boxer, but they only see that night under the lights. They don't see the sacrifice. They don't see the arguments at home sometimes, you know, when you, yeah. you're clashing with your partner or stuff like that. They don't see that. Or when you feel like you've got to let family down and stuff, they don't see that. <clears throat> they just see the headlines. The fight night. They see you come out to the lights. There's a lot that comes with it. Of course. Um, you know, it's like saying you want to do it, but do you want to do everything that year? Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. Putting it on the line. Yeah. And um, did, did uh, after a fight, do you get to speak to your opponent? Do you talk to Yeah. Them? Um, you know, when I had that 10, I'd speak to the opponent. So did, well. did Perez tell you what you'd hurt, what he felt? Yeah, well, I knew he was in quite a bit of pain, yeah. to be honest. But, uh, you know, shook hands, shook to his team, talked to his team, they wished me well. And, of course, I'm he, he's devastated, but I'm obviously overjoyed, but I don't want it to be. I certainly have got to have respect for him. And I would do all my opponents shake hands and for me it's just a job it's always just been business I'll we got to that change once the gloves went on once we walk into the ring it's, it then becomes my job Yeah. and that's all it was to me it was a yeah. job I didn't have any hatred towards any opponent some people feel like they need that I don't I just no. know it's a job and 
is trying to get where I want to get. We're both yeah. trying to better ourselves. And and as a job, I, I have to ask this because it's your nickname. Did you get your million dollars, Crawler? No, but you know, <laughs> I always say it not for the. <laughs> Long, long time, or bloody hell, it didn't last long anyway, but um, no, I just, oh, was that was a nickname as well, off the film. It was a catchy one and it worked yeah. for me, but um, yeah. do you know, with, um, it was Hilary Swank, wasn't it? Um, Million Dollar Baby. Yeah. Great film, Clint Eastwood, that's all, that's where the nickname come from, but listen, life, life's become, you know, certainly what it was to growing up, it, you know, life's become a little easier. And my family's life's a little easier and all I ever wanted out of boxing, not all I ever wanted, because it's not as if it's two easy things. I always thought, one, I want to try and aim for a world title, but two, which nearly every fighter does, two, I thought, if I can get an house out of boxing, life's a little bit easier. You know, if, you're not, if you've got your mortgage paid, life's a little bit easier and thankfully I've done that yeah. and a bit extra as well. So, listen, boxing's been good to me, you know, on that side of things. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things with retiring people say, Hey, oh, retiring, you're young, you know, you listen, you stay in boxing too long. And I say all the time, boxing will take more from you than you take from boxing. So, yeah, you might earn a little bit more money, but it starts affecting your health or whether you start slurring words, you become a bit, you know, your balance becomes affected. There's not a price on that no. for me, there's not a price on that no. whatsoever. Yeah, I get that. So you're officially retired and um, clearly got plenty of life to live. Um, what, what sort of, do you what have any plans? Now. Do you have any plans? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm doing a lot of coaching, right. coaching both professional and amateurs. Um, as soon as this pandemic's over, I'm opening, I've got a gym ready to open. Amazing. Um, Where's that? That's in, well, North Manchester slash Oldham. Right. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Literally, sort of getting finished off in the next week or two. Uh, I'll call down tomorrow. Some of the mirrors are getting fitted and stuff like that. Great. Um, but, yeah, um, for me now, I want to sort of coach other fighters who want to have the same dream as me. But I do a little bit of work with the schools as well. And yeah. sort of some of the kids who are at risk of exclusion, working alongside them. And I think... It's great, it's challenging, but it's rewarding. It's rewarding, it yeah. isn't. Join the area, I mentioned, I just mentioned that, that poor lad who lost his life last night, but yeah. there's so many lads who could go, and girls, you'd be surprised, you yeah. know, you can go down the wrong path. And I just think, you know, if you can help someone stay, there's a kid there who worked with him, he's got no father figure, he's, his three brothers are in prison, and odds are, there's a good chance he'd go the same way. Yeah but he's actually a great kid. And I just think if you can direct him a little bit, he won't, he won't he'll get a job and he'll, he won't go the same way. And I just think if you can do that, and that's, that's great, that's mm. a great feeling. I'm just trying to sort of, I'm listening, I'm, I'm 33, yeah. nearly 34. I still make mistakes every day. I think we all do, but just sort of trying to teach teach some of the younger ones because hopefully they'll respect it from someone a bit younger and sometimes they don't being a teacher's hard but they don't want to respect a teacher who's or they don't want to respect someone who's seen has gone through private education so that they want someone who they can relate to yeah and like i keep going back to it now but it's probably because it's fresh in the mind like i'm telling you there's nothing wrong with doing music but there is something wrong talking or rapping about killing people and yeah. 
dealing drugs and shifting, you know, making fortunes and yeah. that life, 99% of the time, doesn't end well. No. And it's, so you want to educate them, you know, with that. And it's just stupid. Like, I always remember one of my mates saying it to me and, like, just saying to these kids, nothing wrong with living, you know, with your mum and dad, but don't be buying £300 T-shirts and then... Living in your mum and dad's spare room, it's kid behaviour, isn't it? Do you know that's what happens, isn't it? I always remember it. I remember it, and one of my mates said it to me, and I thought it not long back. Yeah. And um, but he's changed something. He went. This was years ago, and he said it. He went. See these you keep buying. He said at the time I was sort of living at home. He went. You're gonna look back at one soon and think what a prat I was. I remember one day. I always remember it. And I was looking. I was going through throwing all stuff out, and I thought. They cost, and this isn't certainly not bragging because you're embarrassed. Like, they was 500 quid, they was 700 quid, and now they was 900 quid. They was five, and I started adding up and I'm thinking, do you know what? Wore them a few times for, for what? For, do you know, to impress who? And then I think, even my mate just clicked, it just clicked and I thought, you know, that would have, it's not all about making money, but could have used that money to much better, do you know what I mean? But yeah. that's the thing now. I've got, mate, honestly, I've got it like with young lads. They're living there and they're on a job or whatever. Like the weekend millionaires, aren't they? Or something like that. And the mum's wages is gone. And they're living at the mum and dad's. Walking around with £300 T-shirts on. I'm going, that just isn't adding up. Do you know what I mean? It's just... And I just think to try and sort of educate some of them like that. Yeah. Do you know what I'm just thinking? You'll look back on that in a few years and think, what a prat I was. Do you know what I mean? Just to sort of working, you know, with them and just like I'm saying there again... Back to it, but that that trying to be the big man and mm-hmm. you know thinking oh it's glamorous it's a glamorous life being like there's nothing glamorous about sitting in a cell twenty three hours a day no. like, there's nothing there's nothing glamorous about that whatsoever you're impressing no one yeah so you're doing your bit to try and turn some I'm trying some lies I'm around trying, yeah trying to give um, amazing but that's that's the plan anyway mm. and like I say that's yeah, they, they might be like waging art, but genuinely, I'm doing it because I do. I enjoy. I enjoy doing it. Yeah. So lots of rewards to come in a different way, emotional rewards. Yeah, and, uh, definitely. Maybe change a few people's lives. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. That's um, that's some of what I do, and I think the boxing gym is somewhere where that can start. Listen, not every gym, not every young person, boy or girl walk through that gym is going to be a world champion. Yeah. But I think I've seen so many times where it has, where it's changed their lives. There's yeah. a, they say it a few times, but there's a, there's a lad who come and he come because we was busy and that, and a family friend asked, he said, listen, can you take him on a bit worried about him? And he's dead quiet in school. You know, he's done really, his mum and dad are a bit worried. I'm trying to bring him to the boxing gym. And straight away in your head, you're thinking, why are you bringing him to a rowdy boxing gym then? But, it's mad and he did and, and now it's mad about it from the parents. He's just a different kid. Yeah. Like he's had phone calls from school saying we're not doing these. He's had they've said we just we just can't believe they changed him. When he first came into the gym, he was like he was dead sheepish and stuff. Now he comes in the gym and he's just one of the boys and it's brilliant to yeah. see, do you know what I mean? It's brilliant to see and he's actually he's fighting now, he's fighting, he's a good little boxer. Yeah. Whereas a bit back, you could have never have imagined that, you know, the kid who walks in the gym, it's just totally different. So I say not every kid's gonna be a world champion, you but know. we have we have another kid there who comes Alex and he has an illness and 
where sort of he has to do little bits of exercise because of the muscle. I'm not sure what the full is. And he has, you know, he's in there, and but the kids love having him in. The kids love having him in, and he's just a lovely kid, and he's, they treat him like just one of their own. Yeah. And he just loves being in, and you need sort of characters like that, yeah. don't you? And I think yeah. while the, the lockdown was on, unfortunately, obviously, um, we ended up having another, you know, since and all that, but it's one of them with him. You see how much happier he is when he's with when he's with his mates yeah. and stuff like that. So, like I said, he's never going to be box. He'd never pass a medical to box, but it's great having him in the gym and the, there's, there's good stuff it does for him. I think the we we undersell the benefits of sport because we often look at it as it's a physical exercise of some kind. And yet, if you look at you know you join a club and all the other, it's the social aspects, it's yeah, the personal massive, development, man. it's teamwork, it's the give and take, it's personal uh, targets, and it's a, a whole sort of um, ethos for your whole life. Of course um, it is. It's, um, and listen, everyone will have their opinion on it and, you know, shutting down gyms and shutting down grassroots sport and stuff like that. Yeah. Are we, you know, we're looking, you know, we looking after Peter, but forgetting about Paul and stuff like that. But it's it's just what sport does, I think, for it. Like you say, it's not it's the social aspects of mm. things and just these young kids. I see it, I see it with my little boy. Yeah. He, he, you know, he's seven and, and I seen it when um, the grassroots got banned banned, it got suspended. Yeah. And I saw like how happy they all was. You know, all the players just to be playing with each other all yeah. laughing and and then you're thinking, it's sad after it, you're looking and you're watching at the end, you think, you just can't, you're not going to be out of place for you right now for I don't know how long. It's, it's an aspect that uh, I find a bit uh, depressing and astounding yeah. that in the, in the middle of a, um, a, a pandemic where people are ill, exercise is being shut down, the one thing you want people to be doing. It is, yeah, you'd think so. I mean, listen, it's, I thought the great thing what we've seen a lot earlier in the year was a lot of people out and about walking and yeah. stuff like that on bike rides and stuff, and that's one sort of positive, but, yeah, like, it's making it hard for a lot of people, you know, exercise, and you think exercise so important, you know, to, why would you do that? But everyone's got their own opinion, that, like, people have, so it's all right to... It's all right to go in a, to a McDonald's or stuff like that. It's yeah. safe for them to do that. That's or right. Just get takeaways McDonald's, but they can't go they into can't a exercise. gym. And it's, it's insane. It's just bizarre, isn't it? Doesn't add up. Now uh, we can't let you go without asking you about Man United. Yes. So tell me about. Can you remember your first ever match? I can. I can remember it well. Um, go on. It was against Coventry City. Do you know what? I forgot the season. That's boring. Is it 93? I think, yeah. It was um, Coventry City. We won 5 0. And I remember, you know that buzz. I'll never forget walking up the steps to sit down. My dad's mates up there. And just thinking, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a good day. Uh, it was better times then than what it is now. But yeah, we won. Yeah. won 5 0. I remember Eric scoring. Um, what a player. He was my childhood hero. Like, as a kid, my collar would be up all the time. <laughs> Family wedding, my collar's up. <laughs> Family parties, collar's up. <laughs> I loved him in school. So I always get into it. Get, everyone, all the kids would get your collars down. But it was just... Uh, we all loved him. Of course we did. It was... Um, 
that's it. And just obviously now I thought with retiring, I thought, oh, I'll get a bit more home and away. I've got a season ticket and I'd always try and get away as much like. But I thought, oh, great, I've got a bit of a free run now. But obviously that's not the case. But um, mm-hmm. I love going, like I say, I go with my mate who I've gone with for years and he'll take his lad and now I take my little yeah. lad. And that's one yeah. of the... That's one of the greatest things in yeah. in life, really. Like now, I th- I love watching him play football, um, but I love taking him to the match. It's some of that. It might sound soft to some people, but it's like, nah. It's just uh, there's not much better than yeah. you know, whether it be your little girl, your little boy, taking him to the match, cheering the boys on, and yeah, that's that's my thing now. But. Um, Bit up and down at the minute, aren't we? It's a bit emotional, but um, we'll on. see what happens, yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, when I took my daughters, I've got a 19-year-old and a 21-year-old, and I took yeah. them both at different times to United for the first time. And they were about six, seven years old when I took yeah. them. And we were in the concourse underneath. And I, I, as you go out, I got them to close their eyes. And then yes. I walked out and I said, now open them. And I will uh, yeah. never forget the look on like, their faces. Wow. And yeah. they've never forgotten. Nah, that's it. I'll never forget it. I just, like, with that first trip to Wembley as well, you know, just just little great moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Fantastic. To look back on. And again, that sport, I think sport does this, you know, great, these great stories, these yeah. great memories in life. Have you met Cantona? I met him at the old cliff, um you know, training yeah. ground, when you could go to the training yeah, ground, you imagine could. that now. Yeah. I remember, um, we didn't tell my dad, my mum let me have, like, the day off school, and um, my auntie, what's it, my auntie um, took me and her cousin, who was over from Ireland, and we went there, watched him play, and um, I remember meeting Cantor after it, I remember, you know, getting the picture, and he signed my shirt at the time, and I was like, wow, Eric, would you believe that I can't find it anywhere? No. I know, I know. It's, um, I, I, he does a few after-dinner things, so at some point I'll have to, but yeah, I was only like, I was in year four, so I was like nine. Yeah. But it's mad, I um, just sent it around it the other day, it's when my little boy, he plays at the cliff now with right. the academy. Yeah. Um, and it's mad, you know, when you just look back on things, and I think, wow, he's seven. Like, Two years' time, I remember being here, sat in that exact spot with Peter Schmeichel's family because really, my auntie had been cheeky and wouldn't move off the canal. They let us come through. And obviously, Casper Schmeichel, I, mean, I remembered his lad, you know, similar age, like playing football. Anyway, it was obviously, Casper. Um, you know, just looking and you're thinking, life just goes so quick, yep. so quick. And um, I'm sat there and I just think, wow, I remember being that age, more or less. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. 25 years ago, no more, oh yeah. The blink of an eye. Yeah. And um, looking back, would you do it all again? Without a doubt, without a doubt and a heartbeat, I would, it's, uh, but that that was my time, do you know, you've got, and that's what I think you've got to learn in life, I think, one, you know, everyone has the moments and stuff, and listen, that's not my life, oh, it's done, but, so I have new challenges now, yeah. but that, it, that was my time as a professional boxer, uh, thankfully I achieved, I say thankfully, I, I worked hard, but thankfully, I achieved what I did, and um, would I do it again? Of course, I'll miss it. I'll miss yeah. that side of things forever. Yeah, but it's there. It's there to look back on. Amazing. Anthony Million Dollar Crawler, thank you. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Well done. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to feature in our podcast or have any questions, please get in touch on social media at CBD1UK 
or via our website, cbd-one.co.uk.